It's that time once again, Press fans, coming to you from Altman Studios in downtown Brentwood to your ears wherever you are. This is Clocked In With The Press. I'm your host, Jacob Menez, and I'll be joined today by the Press's publisher, Greg Robinson, and Oakley's city manager, Josh McMurray. But before we get started, here's a quick word from this week's sponsor. This episode of Clocked In With The Press is sponsored by Bill Brandt Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard, right here in Brentwood. For award-winning sales, service, and all your Ford needs, think Bill Brandt Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Thanks once again to this week's sponsor. I'm here now with Greg Robinson and this week's guest, City Manager Josh McMurray. How are you guys doing? Real good. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Greg. Oh, great to be here. Josh, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Really happy to be here. So let's zoom out and let's get a big picture of you, Josh, before we go on to the news that's going on in the city. So first and foremost, how long have you been city manager for here in Oakley? I've been city manager for about a year. The first six months were the interim city manager position. And then in November of 2021, I was appointed as the full-time city manager. And now prior to that, you'd worked the city in what capacity, just for listeners who are unaware? Yeah, correct. I've had a pretty lengthy career at the city of Oakley. So I started in 2008. So I've been there almost 14 years. And I started as a associate planner in the planning department and worked my way up through several roles. My last role before the interim city manager position was the community and economic development director. Was there a point during that transition where you decided you knew you wanted to aspire to the city manager role? It just sort of happened for you. I've always wanted to be in city management, and I've always wanted to be a city manager. I just didn't know at what point at time in my career that would happen. So when I was presented with the opportunity of being the interim city manager, I thought a lot about it and discussed it with my my family and my wife and made sure that that was the right decision at that time. You know, you can't plan everything in life exactly as you want to. And I decided to jump right in and start my city management career last year. So I'm going to zoom out a little bit more. Before being with Oakley, what city were you with before? I've worked for two cities prior to Oakley. So I started my career in the city of San Diego, and then I worked for the city of Santee, which is a smaller city within San Diego County before coming to the city of Oakley. And so here's the softball question. Why Oakley? So I picked Oakley for a couple reasons. I'm familiar with the area. I graduated from Liberty High School. I attended my senior year of high school at Liberty. Been coming up to the the Delta area since I was a, a little child and boating and enjoying the Delta. When we were in San Diego, me and my wife, we had our first child in 2007, and we wanted to get near family. So the opportunity presented itself. I found the job in Oakley and uh, applied, and the rest is kind of history. So speaking of the job, now that you're in the city manager role, what does a typical day in the life of Josh McMurray look like? Gosh, I, w- I wish I could give you a typical day. I mean, I start every day with obviously a, a calendar of of meetings and, and things to do and a, a list of items I want to accomplish. But very rarely do I get to, you know, start checking things off the list on a daily basis. It's really, you know, what what's the fire? What's the emergency I need to deal with at that present moment? It's meeting with, you know, department heads and staff and community groups and discussing issues that are, are, are relevant at that day and time. So there is no real set agenda or planned day. I try to meet with my leadership team, the executive team, once a week, each member for at least half hour, an hour a week to discuss what's going on in their department and and set that direction and try to work through items and issues that are coming up. But I really really don't have a set day. And, And that's what I kind of enjoy about this line of work is that every day is different. And, you know, when you have an opportunity to do something today that you might not have done last week. 
To that point, you said that was one of your favorite parts of your job. I was going to ask, what are the pros of your job and what are some of the challenges to your job as well? The pros, definitely having the variety of work. I really enjoy that. That's what I I liked about the planning field where I started my career is that you really had a variety of work. You weren't working on every project was different, had its own different, you know, issues and circumstances. Some were like the community liked those projects and some projects, the community, you had, you had to work through opposition and things like that. So the city management and manager role is somewhat the same in that, you know, you're dealing with issues that affect the whole community and you really try to find a balance. So I, I enjoy that. Uh, some of the things that make it complex are, are, you know, you can't please everyone. And, you know, I think in today's day and age, it's even more prevalent. And, you know, I, I want to be a solution seeker. And that's something I really pride myself on is, is not saying no, and really trying to work through issues and trying to find a solution, whatever that may be. But really, you know, understanding and, and coming to terms with that you're not going to please everyone. That's probably the, the biggest con of the job. What is the solution you recently found to a community problem that you are proud of? One that's very relevant is uh, the Oakley Library issue. Right now we have a library in our city that's operated by the county, but it's, it's being operated out of Freedom High School in a very inadequate facility. The space is about 3,000 square feet. The library and the library staff do an amazing job. They program that facility to and use every inch of that facility, but it's just not adequate for a city of almost 45,000 people and, and growing. So something that I'm very proud of and the city council just recently approved is an agreement with the county to hopefully secure some land. There's the old Delta substation on O'Hara Avenue. It's vacant right now. That occupies half a city block. The city of Oakley owns the other half of the block where the senior center currently sits in an old fire station, also another inadequate facility. But really bringing an agreement to the city council that shows the commitment not only on the council side and the city side, but the board of supervisors and the Contra Costa County side to work together to find a location to house a new library to meet the needs of the citizens of Oakley today. Right, and a lot of that is really just modernizing as the city's grown and having the facilities continue to be able to sustain that growing population. Correct. We have a changing demographic. We have a lot of new residents that have filled all the new homes that are being constructed over the last several years, and and their demands are, are different and changing. And they're demanding, you know, an increase in city services, and we should be able to provide those services to these residents. We're not a little small town anymore. We still want to maintain our small town character and and all the things that we do to show the community that we are small. But when it comes to facilities and needs, we, we do need modern facilities for our community as, as we grow. And is it being a real balancing act? Is getting those two halves to coalesce? Correct. Again, it kind of goes back to finding that balance. A lot of people want a library for a lot of different reasons. The library also is an opportunity to provide new space for the community in terms of space that the city can program. There's a lot of concepts out there. We're just at the very early stages of it, but it's really, you know, discussing with the county in terms of ancillary facilities and, and services that they can provide to Far East County that may not exist right now. So there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of optimism about that project, and that's one that I'm very proud of that we're able to at least have the agreement that at least gives us the ability to now seek funding, and that's our next challenge is, is how do we fund this 
and you know how do we do so in the next three years, which is really what we have to work with the county. I was going to ask that question: was uh, what's the timing? But so the goal is the next three years to get the library open. The goal is the next three years to identify a, a funding source, and that would be for the the capital outlay for the facility and also for the ongoing operational costs. So, Josh, actually, the library in Brentwood has been very successful, and, and it's interesting. A lot of times people will say, you know, library, why do we need libraries? But talking to librarians in the community, we still need libraries, and we still need to teach our children how to read and how to look up things in a dictionary. And everybody thinks, oh, we got these fancy computers and cell phones, but it's important that we keep our kids educated with books and not just smartphones. There needs to be a place in the community where uh, students can use Wi-Fi and have Internet. Also a place where there's, you know, quiet study rooms and meeting rooms that they may need to use. So there, there's a variety of, of uses in the modern day library that we could take advantage of as a community that we just don't have right now. It's a great idea. I'm going to change gears a little bit here just because a big part of why I love having city managers on the podcast is it gives a chance to educate listeners sort of about local government. Could you explain the hierarchy of how Oakley's local government works? So I'm the city manager is an employee of the council, and, but then there's the mayor as well. The city of Oakley operates under a council manager form of government. We have five elected city council members. They are the bosses of myself, the city manager, and the city attorney. The rest of the operations and the the day-to-day functions of the city fall under myself. So the city manager is responsible for hiring the department heads or the executive team that lead the city and also involved in the hiring process of most of the employees within our city at some, some level. So to summarize it in a way, the city council are sort of the idea people, and your it's your job to implement those ideas into reality. Correct. We have the voters at large the, of the community, the, the residents of Oakley. They elect the council members, and they set the policy direction. And exactly, it's my job to implement that policy uh, and also ensure that the overall and day-to-day operations of the city are operating at a level to meet that policy direction. And this one was actually a listener question that came in a little bit before we started. But they were curious what the difference is between the mayor and the city manager in terms of scope of job. The mayor is a rotating position on our city council. The mayor is one of the elected five city council members in our city. And there's a process outlined in our municipal code that goes over how that mayor position is and the vice mayor position are selected and then how they rotate. And then the difference would be the mayor is an elected person, whereas the city manager is appointed by the five city council members that are elected. The other half of this question is, We just recently had a redistricting in our cities, Brentwood, Oakley, all over the state of California. Oakley chose to have their four city council people be five districts. So is the mayor rotating one of those districts and be responsible for being the mayor at the same time? I'll answer the first part of the question about the districting. So the city just went through the districting process. Some cities are going through redistricting, which you have to do every 10 years. We didn't have districts established. So we were served essentially a a demand letter that said the Hispanic community population in our city was underrepresented through the the electoral process. So our city council decided to ultimately adopt an ordinance which established the districts in our city. And so we have five districts. The mayor and the vice mayor will not be an elected position. Essentially, the city council had that decision and they chose to do five at-large districts. So the mayor and the vice mayor process for rotation will stay true as defined in our municipal code. 
and the election process will commence with the district starting this year in 2022. We'll have districts two and four run for election this year. And then in 2024, districts one, three, and five will run. Question on that then. So the mayor has double duty then. He is going to be responsible for his specific district as a representative, and at the same time, also being the mayor for the entire city and the other four districts as well. Is that a correct way to say that? That is a correct way to say it. Yes, the the mayor will be responsible for the overall city council meetings, running those city council meetings, be the lead at the mayor's conference, at meetings that typically uh, a mayor would be requested to attend, whereas the district elected will be elected to to serve their districts as well. Right. What thought process informed the council that made them want to do the mayor as a rotational thing as opposed to an elected official? It's been in place uh, like this uh, since 2008, since I became an employee, and I, I can't really speak to the decision, although you know, my, my thought would be that they wanted to make it fair, and given the time and commitment it takes to be an elected, regardless if you're a, a mayor or not, there's a tremendous amount of time and, and energy that goes into that. So I could see merit, but I don't know the exact reason why we have a, a rotating mayor and vice mayor. So I think that's probably our cue to take a commercial break. We're going to take a short break and hear once more from our sponsor. When we come back, Josh, Greg, and I will chat about some recent news out of Oakley, including the search for Alexis Gabe, the recently released investigation of the former police chief, and what projects residents can expect on the horizon. Stick around. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Bill Brant Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Speaking personally, I've used the service center at Bill Brandt Ford several times, and I've always been impressed by their commitment to the customer. I used to have this real lemon of a Ford Fusion that I bought from a less reputable dealer, and Dave, the service advisor at Bill Brandt, moved mountains to keep that thing running. My younger sister bought a car from Bill Brandt a couple years ago, and their finance department worked with her budget, and now she drives a nicer car than me. But don't just take my word for it. Bill Brandt Ford is the recipient of the prestigious President's Award from the Ford Motor Company. Only 340 of the roughly 5,000 dealerships nationwide can say the same. Locally, the community has voted them Best of Brentwood for sales and service. Bill Brandt aims to give customers the best dealership experience possible. So what are you waiting for? Give them a call today at 925-634-3551 for all your sales and service needs or visit BillBrantFord.com. That's Bill. B-R-A-N-D-T, Ford.com. Thanks once again to our sponsor. I'm here still with Josh McMurray and Greg Robinson. We're going to start talking about some news out of Oakley. So, Josh, I think the big elephant in the room as far as things going on in Oakley right now is the Alexis Gabe case. So what is the latest development that you can share with us? Sure. This has been one of the the largest cases we've had to deal with, you know, since the Oakley Police Department broke away from the, the county sheriff in 2016. And it's a it's a case that has taken an enormous amount of resources, both our cities and other agencies, but it's an active investigation at this time. So although I'm I'm respectful to the the community that want answers, that deserve answers to the the Gabe family, I'm not really at liberty to say anything to jeopardize the investigation. I can tell you that our team is working tirelessly. They're working nonstop to try to solve this missing person case. And our goal is to bring Alexis Gabe back home safely to her family. So, Josh, we did have a public press conference last week. Just a quick summary for the people that may not have seen that. What came from that that you can talk about? 
Yeah, you know, the, the press conference was good because we were able to release a, a video, short footage, of a, a person of interest that we're trying to identify. And, you know, really the, the press conference was an opportunity for us to tell the public that we need their help, that we're looking for information, that we're going to be able to give information as it becomes available. And that piece of information that we gave, that video clip, you know, I saw played on news media in the area. And that was the purpose of the press conference was really to, to solicit the public to help us with that image and to see if we can use that to help solve this case. Right. And there was a reward too mentioned at that press conference, correct? Did that come to fruition? And could you tell us a little bit about the reward and what it is? Correct. The city has offered up $10,000 reward money to help solve this case. And that money is available as information comes in. Our goal is to to use that money to, to ensure that we can give that to anybody that has direct knowledge or information leading to a successful outcome in this case. Fantastic. Well, good luck to that. And I think one of the key takeaways to that unfortunate situation is the public has been great at mobilizing, helping with all these efforts. They, they really have. They've come out when they've been asked to. Public has been very willing to use their time and energy. And I know the Gabe family, as well as the city of Oakley, is very appreciative of those efforts. It speaks a lot to Oakley as a community in and of itself. You're talking about the small town values that really does fall in line with that. It really does. Moving on to another recent development within the city was last week, an investigation was published regarding the termination of the former police chief, Dean Capaletti. What was the city's rationale for publishing that? What we want to do and what I'd like to say is, you know, our effort, number one, is to ensure that we have a safe working environment for our employees and that our employees feel comfortable with the leadership that is in place in order to bring any issue like the one that was released last week to light. The city takes these allegations and these issues very seriously, and we ensured through an outside investigative firm that everything was investigated properly and that ultimately it was my decision to terminate the police chief based on the fact that I really wanted to ensure that the public trust in the city of Oakley is maintained. And ultimately, it's, it's my job to make sure that we have the right people in the city to do their jobs. Issues like the ones in that report are troubling, and I wanted to make sure that we acted appropriately and immediately, which was indicative of the situation. And although, you know, no one wants to deal with anything like this, I mean, these are really hard issues ultimately someone does. And that was really my focus. I want to just compliment you on that. Being involved with the city since it's before it's been a city and just the different issues and the previous city manager, I don't know that that would have happened. And I think that that's a, a feather in your cap to be able to have that transparency. And I think in today's government, that's so important that our city leaders are very transparent. And by you releasing that report, it it was a very vivid graphic report redacted in some places where it needed to be, but good kudos to you and, and moving forward with that building of the relationship of the city again is important. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And that's been my goal ever since I was appointed city managers to really make sure that the city is as transparent as we possibly can be. And that goes to everything that we do. 
So I, I appreciate those comments and, and the fact that people notice that because it, it really is important to me. There isn't anything that we do inside City Hall that we should be hiding. We should be as transparent as possible. We're using public dollars to do everything that we do. And we owe it to our residents and our business owners to be transparent so that they can see what they're providing in terms of, you know, tax dollars and sales tax dollars and revenue streams to the city are used appropriately. I think it's a great transition into our next topic, which is the strategic plan and just what the city has on the horizon. I know the strategic plan was just recently approved for the city, so I'm curious what projects residents have to look forward to. Sure, that was a great process, a real good example of involving the public, again, being as transparent as possible. We, for the first time uh, that I can remember, brought in a facilitator to help facilitate our strategic plan process. Uh, We held multiple public meetings, community surveys, interviews of staff in the council, and really tried to make sure that everybody that had something to say and had a thought about what the city is doing was heard. I think some of the biggest projects in in that strategic plan, I think, deal with infrastructure. We're a growing city. We have a lot of county roads that we ultimately accepted when we incorporated a little over 22 years ago. But we, uh, we need more infrastructure and we need modern day infrastructure. So a lot of the projects that are inside of that strategic plan dealing with infrastructure, I think, are the most important. Because how do we grow, but how do we move the people around to make sure that we're circulating not only efficiently, but, but safely? Specific couple of projects happening on Main Street. I see a brand new building being built there at the top of O'Hara. A lot of paving going on as you're coming into town. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there. Sure, yeah, those, those two projects specifically. So right in our downtown, we have a real exciting project that's coming out of the ground. It's a 10,000-square-foot commercial building. It'll be a restaurant and retail. Going to have a real nice, attractive look, a lot of brick on the facade. Going to be a great centerpiece to our downtown, and it's right at the northwest corner of Main Street and Norcross. And then we also have, at the east end, of the downtown, uh, a little bit further east, right towards the main and Cypress intersection, Tri-Delta Transit is constructing a park and ride lot. So that park and ride lot is is just taking shape. They just installed the landscaping last week. The street is going to get striped this week. And that project will really provide a nice facelift to that section and that entry kind of as you're coming into the downtown from the east end of the city. And then there's rumor that you might have a train stop coming as well. We, we do have a train stop coming, and it's, it's not a rumor. That is, that is the truth. I've had the opportunity to work on that project since 2014, so I'm, I'm intimately involved with that project. And we just had a, a design meeting with the rail authority and their design team who is designing the platform. And it's a fully funded project, not only to design but to construct the platform. But that project is, is well underway in design, and the city is going to be constructing... 300 space parking lot and some ancillary uh, facilities to serve the train platform in conjunction with that facility being constructed next year. When would the residents see some construction of the platform start and when and when would it then be done? How long of a project? I think it's reasonable to say construction will start next year and it has the real potential of being completed next year. We're not talking about a lot of vertical construction. This is a lot of horizontal accurate construction, a lot of concrete, a lot of asphalt, a lot of landscaping. So those, those types of projects can move fairly quickly. We're under design for our project that we're responsible for. And as I said, the rail authority is, is designing theirs. And a real good chance of having something operational towards the end of next year, if not early 2024. 
So taking off your city manager hat for a moment and just speaking as a private citizen, what project are you most looking forward to? I think for me, it's really the library project. And I, I go back to that because I, I don't just see a library. I see the opportunity for the city to take a whole city block and really transform it into something that that we just don't have in the city right now. And that could include housing, could incu- include space for community services, could include uh, space for you know nonprofits, the veterans, the the seniors, other groups that need space or, or have inadequate space. So I really foresee that project as, as a catalyst to our downtown. You have that opportunity along with the, the real train platform project and the 10,000 square foot building that I talked about earlier. And, and there's a lot of other interest in our downtown, whether the, you know, it's vacant property or, or buildings that need to be rehabbed. So you know, the downtown in general is something that I'm, I'm just, you know, excited about in, in the years to come. And, and that's really what I want to see. I want to see that library project take shape. And another topic about business coming, you have a new tenant in town, maybe not so new, but I think it's a company called Amazon. <laughs> so how has that impacted the city? And, and is there some tax revenue that will be generated by that? And what might be some of the future benefits of having a company like Amazon in your backyard? Sure. Another project that I've had the opportunity to work on while I've been at the city and and we have a, a new logistics center, and I, I say new, but it's it's almost completed. There's three of the five buildings have already been constructed, and and just to take a step back, this project was approved in December of 2019. Started construction right uh, about the time the pandemic first started in 2020, and they they really haven't stopped. So they've been moving at at a really warp speed. Have three buildings up and running. Two of those buildings are Amazon buildings right now. And a third Amazon building is under construction. So Amazon does love Oakley. They've been uh, the logistics center and the, the North Point team who's developing the facility have been a great partner. And when we were first talking about the project, we did an economic study to, to look at the benefits of the project, not only in Oakley, but regionally. And there is opportunity for that logistics center to generate hundreds of millions of dollars of, of activity in the region which is exciting. So we're starting to see some of the the impacts of that facility in Oakley. You've seen some construction near that facility at Maine and Bridgehead. We have more interest in vacant property in the in the very near vicinity of the logistics center. And the, the logistics center folks are still looking in Oakley for other properties and sites that could work for them. So, you know, all in all, the logistics center, I think, has done everything and more that we, we thought it would be. And we're realizing the opportunity of that much quicker than we ever thought. We thought build-out would be somewhere in the, the neighborhood of maybe five to seven years. And here we are sitting in, you know, almost year three, and the facility will, will close to be finished by the end of this year, if not early next year. Fantastic. Putting that city manager hat back on once again, what's going to be the biggest challenge on the strategic plan? The biggest challenge is, is funding and revenue. We're, we're a city who relies heavily on property tax revenue. We don't have a huge tax base. It's about 10%, under 10% of our, of our general fund revenue comes from sales tax. And we need to boost that. Greg, you asked a question about tax dollars. Are we seeing that, that realization from Amazon? And, and the way those facilities generate tax dollars is very tricky. <laughs> and there used to be uh, a countywide pool of, of tax dollars from these logistics centers that can then get redistributed out to, to cities and counties. There's been legislation that took that away. 
So now you really need to be what's defined as a regional facility in order to take advantage of that. And Amazon controls that destiny. The city, unfortunately, doesn't. So although we have the opportunity to really capitalize sales tax dollar-wise with the, the size of the facilities that we have, that's almost a, a to-be-determined, and we'll kind of have to see how that goes. But really, it's it, it goes back to you know, attracting business, generating sales tax dollars to make sure that we can accomplish everything that's in that strategic plan because it's an aggressive plan. There's over 100 objectives in there for us to complete over the next several years. And we're going to have a changing council come at the end of this year. And, you know, there's going to be opportunity to kind of look at the plan again early next year and make sure that we're we're capturing everything that the the now and the the, the new council after the 2022 election We'll want to see in that plan. So for me, it's it's finding the dollars to make the projects happen. That's a great answer, Josh. Thank you. So as we're getting near the end here, are there any topics we need to talk about that we haven't brought up already? Anything you would like people to know? I think I'd like people to know that we put on a tremendous number of events as a city. We have a really small recreation department, three main people in that department, and a lot of part-timers that, that help back up the full-time staff. But we put on a, a number of events throughout the year, and, and we're just kind of hitting our stride right now as, as we're leaving spring and entering summer uh, with our summer concert series. And we just had the first one a week ago, a huge success. And, and we have five more that are partnered with our Friday Night Bites, our food truck event in our downtown, and really just like the community to, to be on the lookout for those events. That's really what I think makes Oakley so special is we're able to have these smaller town events at a at a scale of a city of 45,000 people and those residents can enjoy. So really, you know, I'm, I'm proud of our recreation team, what they're able to offer, what they're able to do. And I would just encourage the, the community to come out and enjoy the opportunities and the events that the city puts on. I believe you were at that last concert in the park, weren't you, Greg? It was. It was a fantastic concert. Got a little cold at the end, but other than that, it was a great concert. We can control everything but the weather. <laughs> You know, bringing up this topic, it might be a little sore subject, but you talked about events. There were some rumors about changing some of the events and moving away from the Heritage Basin and moving an event downtown, but it also meant the elimination of fireworks. So is that a permanent thing that the fireworks won't be there? Or is the city still looking at possibly doing fireworks or has that been put to the side? At this time, we've removed the fireworks from the event. So we're transitioning the event. It used to be called Cityhood. And we still want to pay uh, you know, homage to the city incorporating and all the work and all the effort over the, you know, the, the past two decades plus that went into Oakley really being what it is today. But you know, our focus on bringing events to the community is, is centered around safety. We want to make sure we're providing safe events to the community, family-friendly events. And we took a real hard look, and it's not something that we made a decision with lightly, but we really feel like we're going to be able to offer a better event called Summerfest in our, in our downtown. And if anyone's been to the Heart of Oakley event, which is also in our downtown, and this is a different event at a much grander scale. So we're really excited for this event this year. This will be the first Summerfest, the inaugural Summerfest, and it'll, it'll happen on July 2nd of this year. So come out and, and enjoy all the festivities. It's going to start with a run, a lot of live music, and a lot of things in between. So we're very excited about it. And again, it's really, really driven by public safety and ensuring that we can make the event the, the safest possible for everyone that visits. Great. Lots of great stuff to look forward to. That's it for today's episode of Clocking In with the Press. I want to thank Greg Robinson and Josh McMurray for chatting with me this week. Guys, thanks so much for being here. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to thank you at home for listening once again. Some of the stories we discussed today and plenty of other stories can be found online at www.thepress.net. Subscribe there and follow our Twitter and Instagram at PressClockedIn. Contact us with your thoughts on this episode or any others by emailing podcasts at brentwoodpress.com. Last but not least, leave a review for our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we may shout it out on the air next time. Be sure to tune in this Friday for our weekly news and sports updates. Until then, I'm Jake. I'm Greg. I'm Josh. And we're clocking clocking out. Once again, I'd like to thank this week's sponsor, Bill Brandt Ford, located at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Whether you're looking to buy a new Ford, a used Ford, or get some work done on your Ford, you want Bill Brandt Ford. Give them a call today at 925-634-3551. That number again is 925-634-3551. Or visit them online at BillBrandtFord.com. That's Bill Brandt, B-R-A, ndtford.com.